Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. So happy to be here with you. And this episode is going to be a little bit different than normal. It's the first time I'm doing something like this, but I was actually a guest for a conversation that I really loved. And I felt like the topics that we were talking about were things that I hadn't really spoken too much about yet here on the podcast. And it was a conversation with Kate Easton, who's an actor and host of a YouTube channel, and her channel chats with a variety of different people. So not necessarily all relationship related necessarily, but I asked Kate if she would mind me sharing the recording of this conversation on my podcast and she was kind enough to let me do so. And so I really am, again, just excited to bring you this conversation. I felt like Kate and I got into a really good flow. We talked about some commonly asked questions that I get on my Instagram and some of the things we covered were things like how to set social media boundaries if our partner is doing something we feel uncomfortable with, how not to let past stuff from past relationships trickle into our present relationship too much and how do we manage that anxiety around being single or feeling like you have to be in a relationship and then we answered the question of how do you tell the difference between anxiety or intuition so I really hope you enjoy this episode and thanks so much for being here Hi, Sarah. Thanks for being here today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to chat. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So everyone, like a month ago, I had reached out to Sarah on Instagram asking if she would be willing to do this with me, and she so kindly was. Um, And since then, I have been asking everyone I know, friends, family, people on Instagram, like what are the biggest things plaguing their relationships right now? Like where... Mm -hmm. Are their anxieties coming from? Um, And because you are such an expert in this, I feel like you are the perfect person to chat about this with. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. I try. I feel like, you know, I, the reason I started all this is because I wanted to learn all this for myself. So I like to say that, you know, I feel like I have a great uh, breadth of knowledge when it comes to relationships, but I'm still practicing applying all of this for myself too. So just a reminder that like it, isn't just a one and done process and that it's kind of like an ongoing journey for relationships too. Yeah. Well, I do love that um, on your podcast and on your Instagram, you're always very vulnerable and honest and open about your own relationship, which I think is really nice and unique. I think it gives people insight into the fact that while you're an expert and you know all of these things, you know, like we're all just trying to figure it out, right? Yep, exactly. And I think that's just part of being human is we all are trying to figure things out. But for those with a more anxious perspective, it can help to feel like there is this one path or this one roadmap to have the perfect relationship or the perfect life and check all those boxes, make sure that you're doing the quote right thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where a lot of relationship anxiety actually stems from is feeling like 
am I doing this right? How do I know that this is going to work out? And and trying to kind of make sure that you're not straying too far from this path. I'm putting all these things in air quotes because I just think these words are like, we've had these words, but I don't necessarily believe in them fully anymore as the only way to move forward. Yeah, I totally hear you and agree. And I think, you know, rom-coms and all of these movies that we watch paint a very beautiful picture of how relationships should look. And so it's easy to get caught in that trap and feel like there's something wrong with us or our relationships if they don't look like that. Totally. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but a lot of rom-coms kind of end like right when the people get together or right when like they have this blissful moment or like you kind of have the proverbial like riding off into the sunset happily ever after moment. But then we don't get like the part two usually that's like, where are they now? (laughs) You know, exactly. it's easy to kind of paint that pedestal of like, this is what it has to be 24 Mm seven. And of course, relationships have many beautiful moments. And I'm not ever here to like dim someone's sparkle about their relationship, but just expanding that perspective and knowing that there's also other stuff too. 100%. So when I was asking these people all these questions, I feel like I was able to narrow it down into like three categories kind of of things that were bringing the most anxiety. So I was hoping maybe we could go through each of those and just get your perspective. I do want to refer to my notes because I feel like they were so specific (laughs) and I was like, oh, these are great. Love it. So the first one that I would say 90% of people brought up was the impact of social media on relationships. I mean, talk about anxiety inducing, right? Like the advent of social media has completely changed and altered relationship dynamics to some degree, right? So, and I think it, you know, can mess with your confidence to some degrees, like to some degree, even if you are in a really healthy, good relationship, just depending on who your partner is following, what photos they're liking, if they're sending DMs, we don't know, right? So I guess what's interesting is, is that a subject that you should be bringing up with your partner and setting boundaries for? Or is this just kind of how the world is? And it's something that you just kind of have to get over. Mm, What do we think about that? that? (laughs) I definitely want to start with this piece. And then there's also a larger conversation too, around like the comparisons of what relationships should be like on social media that maybe we could um, address as well. But yeah, I, I think this one is so tough because in a perfect world, right? We're just like, okay, that's wrong. Like this person's awful. And we kind of just like, you know, think, okay, this person is just like a pig or whatever it is based Mm -hmm. on what they're liking. I think that every relationship should be able to have open dialogue. And if someone's unwilling to have an open dialogue around, hey, this thing makes me feel uncomfortable. Can we discuss a way to come to a solution together about this? If someone's unwilling to even have that conversation, Mm -hmm. That to me says more than the behavior of the liking. You know what I mean? And so I'm not here to say that someone should be liking or shouldn't be liking. I definitely feel like for me, if I was noticing a pattern with that, I'll just be transparent. That would probably make me feel uncomfortable, especially now that I'm engaged and we're getting married. It's like, 
okay, do you feel like that is more important than your commitment to me to kind of give someone else this validation? Right. Um, And if my fiance was unwilling to discuss that, then I would feel some type of way about that. So that's kind of my two cents. And I do think that what's important about boundary setting is that a boundary isn't necessarily against someone else. It's Mm -hmm. for yourself. So if you are setting a boundary like, hey, this doesn't work for me. And if this keeps happening, then I will have to do X, Y, Z. You actually have to follow through on that. So does that mean, oh, I have to leave this relationship? I don't know. That's up to someone to decide. But there has to be something in your control that you can share as part of the boundary versus you can't keep doing that because that's not actually in your control. But what's in your control is how you respond if the behavior continues. Right. Yes, that's so interesting. It really is obviously always about communication and being able to feel safe in your relationship to, I guess, bring up your concerns and hope that they are at least met with somebody who is willing to talk about it. Totally. And I think everyone has different, like, you know, uh, comfort levels, for example, like some people might just be like, oh yeah, that girl is super hot too. Or that guy is super (laughs) hot that they're liking pictures of like, whatever, like, I don't really care. You know, it could be like, oh, if it's a celebrity and like, you just feel so much space from them, like, okay, Uh not a big deal. But maybe if it's like someone that, you know, and it's kind of like a very, you know, whatever it is, like, let's just say like the word thirst trap. I don't have anything against those, (laughs) but like, you know, if that's what it is and like, it's someone, you know, and that person feels like too close to your world and you're just like, oh, like this doesn't feel comfortable with me. I think that it's totally fair to at least be able to bring it up. Yes. Oof. That is not me. That would make me, you know, the whole hot thing. I'd be like, that's just not, I understand that different people have different ways of approaching these things for sure. But it does feel like to me on Instagram, what's interesting, and this is very much my own perspective, but it does feel like it's sending a signal to somebody or sending a message when you are liking all of certain posts that maybe appear a certain way and messaging, you know, DMs or whatever, sliding into somebody's DMs. It does feel like it's sending a message that doesn't always feel great when you're in a committed relationship. So I could imagine the people who brought that up to me, that that would be a very difficult thing in a relationship if you discovered that with your partner. Totally. And I think it's almost like what would be the example of something happening on social media in real life. So like if you're sliding into someone's DMs on social media, just because it's on social media, that would almost be like kind of you know, winking at someone across the bar. And so it's like, is that comfortable Mm -hmm. for me in person? Mm -hmm. And what would be the boundaries in real life? Not that social media isn't real, but like your messaging kind of digitally. But if you could think of the action on social media and how that might translate into real life, and then you feel uncomfortable with that, it's almost like, all right, this is the boundaries that we set in our relationship. And it could also be a, a discussion, a collaboration, like, how would you feel about these types of things happening in person? Okay, well, that's how I feel with these types of things happening on social media and and try as best as possible to understand where each other's coming from. And if it doesn't feel like you're on the same page, then again, that's kind of a signal to be like, okay, are we on similar pages in general about how we navigate life and relationships? So well said. That's why you are a relationship anxiety coach. Perfectly <laughs> stated. Um, was there anything else that you had wanted to say about this, the social media thing? 
I think, you know, one thing that's really common amongst my clients, it's it's slightly different theme with social media is just the comparison of they seem so much happier than we yes. do, or this person's constantly getting roses and, and amazing date nights, like my partner doesn't really do that. Like, does that mean my partner is giving me the bare minimum? Am I settling? And this whole notion. And what I just think is important to remind people is, you know, We've probably heard this message a thousand times, but I feel like I can speak from direct experience to help people understand this. Like I have my brand page and I talk openly and honestly about the anxiety in my relationship. Like I share the good and the bad. And then I also have my personal Instagram that I just keep private for my own self and my friends. And I'm posting the highlight reels, you know, it's just like, it's just funny because I see both sides of it where it's like, as my personal page, I don't feel the need to be like, yeah, we just had like a disagreement or I woke up feeling anxious today and unsure about something, you know, I feel like no one really does that. And so even though we hear that message, I feel like that doesn't always fully click for people, Mm -hmm. but just knowing that whenever someone posts something online there's an intention behind it I want to look like my relationship is super happy I want to look like we just had the best vacation I want to look like this and it doesn't mean that they aren't very happy and they don't have a great relationship but back to that first thing I shared in the beginning it's like there's just more to it than only the happy moments and we don't factor that in and so we compare our insides to their outsides. And we think that it's on an even playing field. But what we really should be doing is comparing our highs and lows and their highs and lows and realizing that we have a lot more overlap than we think. Yes. Oh, so perfectly stated. Yes. I think that that is also why social media is so difficult because we're comparing not just relationships, but our physical appearance, Um, you know, you only see people when they post their trips and it makes their life look endlessly exciting, right? But you're not seeing also the moment that they wake up and they're in their pajamas and they aren't doing anything that day. So social media just overall is a very difficult tool. And even if you remind yourself of those things and you know it, I still think that there's always these moments where we forget it just because we're human, like you said. Exactly. Okay. My second thing that came up consistently was this idea that we've all had past relationships, some good, some bad, some very traumatic, right? Mm. So these can leave a lasting impression on our heart. And Mm. even if we're super self-aware, right? What happened in past relationships can sometimes come in and affect our current relationship. Like for instance, like we can be fearful that our current partner will do to us what our last partner did. Somebody wasn't faithful in the past. So now you're looking at your present partner through a lens of this could happen. Like what if, right? Because it's happened before. So what do we do? Because we want to be honest about the past, but we also don't want it to negatively affect our current relationship. So how do we navigate that situation and that anxiety? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know that this is not necessarily just because I talk about it. It won't always be like you said, like easy to implement because it's one of those things where we sometimes know how to move forward. But in the moment, there's a lot of emotion behind it because the past relationship, there was some emotion that of course, led to it ending for whatever reason. And whether or not we feel 
still really hurt by that. Or if we think we've moved past it, that lives within our subconscious. So it's not necessarily something that we just kind of erase and evaporate. But I do think that part of this comes to communication again with your current partner, at least just making them aware, hey, this is kind of the operating system I'm running off of from the past relationship. And I'm working on trying to view this relationship as a completely separate entity. And I'm really, you know, excited about the direction we're going, like whatever it is. I just want to give you the heads up that there may be some times where a couple of triggers come up for me. And when those happen, and this is, I would say, the very important part, I'm going to take responsibility that this is my stuff as soon as I am aware that this is my stuff and let you know about it. And that's, I think, the part that's sometimes challenging for people is taking the projection off their current partner and seeing, oof, I think this is some old stuff coming up right now. And even if I can't handle it right in this exact moment, I'm going to make sure to pull some time aside for myself to kind of tune back into the emotions that are coming up for me, what I'm feeling. Is it fear? Is it you know, anger still from the past? Is it hurt? You know, sadness, disappointment, whatever it is, there's still probably some emotional charge that's coming up as a response. And so just the general conversation, I think of taking responsibility that this isn't your fault that something happened to you, but it's still your responsibility to manage it in the next relationship. Yeah. But Let's just say your partner, you share this stuff with your partner and your partner Mm -hmm. is super understanding, recognizes this past trauma, but it keeps creeping up. What do you do then? Right? Because it's like that does live in your subconscious, like you're saying, for all of eternity. Like it will never go away, but how do you manage it in a way that feels like you're not just brushing it aside, right? Like there could come a point in your relationship where to bring consistently bring it up is not helping. So you just choose to compartmentalize and be like, I'll handle that on my own. But that can be a lonely, sad feeling. So how do you navigate that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I do think that I'd be remiss if I didn't say that sometimes if it feels like a really deep trauma or a really deep experience that feels really hard to move through, Mm -hmm. that it could be best to have either a community or a coach or a therapist that's helping guiding you through that. Even if it's not like a three-year experience with someone, maybe a few sessions or just someone that could work with you somatically, because especially if it feels like it's really stored in your subconscious or in the body, trying to only talk yourself through it may not be the best route because it's an emotion. So it's something that lives in your body. So for me, I've been really leaning into breathwork practices. Yoga Nidra is a really interesting practice that I've just started, which is just kind of like a guided meditation to really get connected to your body. They call it almost a nervous system reset. So it's kind of bringing yourself back and like clearing the tabs, so to speak, off of the computer of your mind and body and just kind of giving you like a reset. I can definitely send a link of a favorite YouTube account that I've found. But I do think that some of this involves like, having your own practices and learning to regulate, learning to Mm self-soothe. And instead of that needing to be an experience you only do on your own, you can look into communities. Like for example, I have a group coaching program for women with relationship anxiety, and they've found that even though they are kind of quote, doing the work on their own, sometimes they also have a safe space to bring it forward and talk about it with other people. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's many different avenues, right? Of course, there's a piece of this that is your 
yours to manage and work through. So I don't want to say that someone should only rely on others, but if you have yourself and then maybe you have either a community or a really great friend who's had a shared experience, someone to be in it with you, and then perhaps a mentor or a coach or a therapist that's kind of in your toolkit as best as of course is available or even just on YouTube, like feeling like you have some sort of community that you're going through this with because you're right, it can be lonely. And I think that's the beautiful part of social media, even though there's negative parts is that you can come across someone who's talking about your experience and be like, wow, I'm not the only one. And I'm so glad that they're saying this. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to diminish the fact that it can be lonely, but I do want to encourage people that like, if they feel like they are constantly bringing something up and it's then detrimental to the growth of their current relationship, maybe that is a sign to take some space from relying on your partner to soothe and regulate that and then notice when it's like maybe time to to manage it on your own. Great advice. I love Mm -hmm. that. I'm so excited to share that enrollment is now open for October's cohort of Beyond the Doubts group coaching program. This group is for women who want a loving, supportive community alongside them as they learn to spend less time analyzing their relationship so they can confidently move forward. And we are in the final weeks of August cohort right now as I'm recording this. And oh my gosh, it has been such a special experience. I feel truly so honored to be the coach of this group each and every round and to connect with such amazing women. And I learned just as much from them, honestly. And it is really, really so so healing and beautiful. If you feel like you've learned a lot about relationship anxiety already, but you've never quite really been able to put it into practice, or you actually have not implemented the things you're learning into your life, then Beyond the Doubts is perfect for you. You're going to be able to communicate with like-minded women in a direct, personal way, which is one of the biggest ways that we reduce the shame we feel about relationship anxiety and move forward and actually free ourselves from it. Current Beyond the Doubts member shares that the love that comes from this group is sincere and powerful and I'm so appreciative of everyone in it. Another group member shares that coming into this, I was really struggling with my relationship OCD, but the work that we have done has helped influence my thought patterns. I feel like I can enjoy my relationship so much more. If you want to know exactly how to show up for yourself during moments of anxiety in your relationship, and if you want to enjoy your relationship again, I'd love to have you in October's cohort of Beyond the Doubts. We begin Tuesday, October 17th and end my mid-December, so you'll be done with time to rest and recharge before the holidays and end of year. The link to learn more and join is in the show notes, and I'd absolutely love to have you, so please go check it out. Okay, another thought that came up. I live in New York, so a lot of my friends, you know, we date a lot in this city. And sometimes, even if you're putting your best foot forward, you're going on dates, you're mate, like you're meeting people, there's the anxiety that comes if you're not in a relationship and you're not finding Mm. somebody to click with and to move forward in life with. So how do we cope with that anxiety? The anxiety of not having a relationship, which is, you know, as big as the anxiety you can have in a relationship. Mm, Yeah. Well, I feel like it's the, I'm going to speak with some 
insight that I think could be helpful, but I also just want to give the caveat that I've been in a relationship for the last seven years. So it's been a while since I've kind of had those exact thoughts coming up. And so I just want to be honest about that versus trying to be like, oh yeah, that's totally me. Like I've been there recently, but I do think, you know, it's, I just want to acknowledge that that's normal. Um, So firstly, to like give yourself some compassion of, you know, allowing the feelings of maybe feeling like a little bit of FOMO or a little bit of loneliness or a little bit of like, oh, that would be really lovely uh, to be there. I think that's really important because the hard thing about those types of experiences is when you're like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling that way. I should be feeling like I'm enjoying this time only. I should be just kind of living my best life. I shouldn't care about this because then you're diminishing what you are feeling in that moment. So that's one piece of insight to start off with. Yep. Similarly to that, knowing that both things can be true at the same time, you can really be in like your single era and enjoying the dating life mm-hmm. and having a great time. And what can coexist is to feel a little bit bummed or, you know, hoping that you meet your person soon. Because I think those are contrasting or they conflict internally, but both of them can be true at the same time. So again, that's more back to the self-compassion piece of knowing that. But I do think that when those feelings come up, what I like to talk with my clients about is kind of taking one small step that's in your control when that comes up, because I feel like you can't necessarily control when the next person that could be a fit for you comes into your life, Mm -hmm. but you can control like whether it's for yourself, like going to dinner and drink with a best friend or going to a workout class or going for a walk outside, listening to your favorite podcast, whatever it is, like you can control an action for yourself, or you could control, you could take one small action responding back to a person you just matched with or setting up a date for someone that you kind of, you know, enjoyed talking to, but maybe you still need to get to know them a little bit more to see if they could be a fit. And so when we're focused on what's out of our control, it can feel really overwhelming. Like I'm never going to find someone. I have so much like time. Um, there's like time is running out. I've just like wasted my time, whatever it is versus, oh, what's actually in my control to help me move forward right now. Yeah. I think that's such great advice. And also just always following your joy in life, because I do think if you're constantly focusing on yourself and looking for your own joy, I do think that sometimes helps you find different people along the way because people are attracted to joy and positivity. So if you are giving that light off, I think people are attracted to that too. Yeah. Absolutely. No expert, but that's just my like two cents as somebody. For sure. And a lot of it is what meaning you create out of something. So that's Mm -hmm. something I focus on with my clients a lot. Like there was this, I listened to a podcast, um, Reset by Liz Tran. I don't know if you've ever listened to it, but she talks about kind of just like personal growth and development. And um, one of her podcasts, she was talking about manifestation, which is something I'm not necessarily fully like an expert at, but I'm open to the ideas. And I just like hearing people talk about it. And she was giving the example, if you went on a date with someone you really liked, and then you found out maybe later from a friend like that guy or that girl or whoever it is, that person is a total jerk. Like you shouldn't move forward with them. There's two ways you can respond to that. There's more than two, but like two kind of main ways would be like, oh, like, 
this always happens to me. The people that I meet are just, you know, jerks. I'm never going to meet anyone. Like, why did that happen? Or you can respond to being like, wow, thank you so much for telling me that. I'm so glad that I dodged that bullet. And now I'm one step closer to finding someone that is a better fit. And so the meaning that we create from this era of our life or the dates that we're going on or whatever it is, that can really heavily influence how you move forward. So interesting you say that because I do think that that plays into like there's a narrative that we create about ourselves and our life and we start to believe it. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of, and we do that in relationships too. Like if you're always telling yourself that this stuff always happens to you, or you're always attracted to bad men, like that's a narrative that you can choose. Or like you're saying, being like, well, at least I'm not with that person anymore. I saw Mm -hmm. that it was a dead end and I chose to leave it. And wow, I'm so strong for recognizing that. Like there's always a narrative and we have the choice of which one we believe in and what we tell ourselves. Yeah. And we can change the narrative, you know, at any time. It's not as easy said than done, but when you notice you keep getting into a pattern of the same narrative, Mm -hmm. even for example, with someone with relationship anxiety, if you're like, Oh, I'm just so anxious. Like, I just feel like things, this could, they can't possibly work out. I don't know how this is going to work. If you keep noticing yourself going there, it's almost like you have to flip the confirmation bias, what you're looking to confirm. Mm -hmm. Can you look for the ways that it is working? Can you look for the ways that your partner is showing up for you or that you show up for your partner? And then you'll start seeing more evidence of those. So true. That's a whole nother thing that I find is so fascinating. But even in relationships, when you tell your partner, he or she is always like this, or I am always like this, it's you're buying Mm -hmm. into this narrative that you've created, but it might not actually be the truth, right? But like you just start to see the bad things because that's the story you've started to tell yourself about who that person is and how that person behaves. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not, you know... I'm not saying that you should never trust the narrative. Obviously, if there's something negative happening, (laughs) you know, the disclaimer, of course, that I always try to give is like, this isn't for abusive situations. Like if someone's like hurting you in some way, and then you're like, no, but like, I'm just looking for the bad. No, no, no. That's not what we're talking about. But if you have a really healthy, loving relationship where you're dating someone and it seems to be really healthy and loving so far, but then of course, there's going to be inevitable imperfections that pop up. If you find yourself really harping on those imperfections, versus the love, the connection, the fun, the joy that you're having too, then it it might be a mindset thing or it might be a pattern that you've gotten into. Yes. Oh, thank you. Can I trouble you for one last question before we go? Yeah. So one of your podcasts and obviously a thing that has come up multiple times in podcasts that you've done or on your Instagram is this idea of anxiety versus intuition. Mm -hmm. I think this actually is kind of playing into what we were just talking about, but like, let's say you get into this relationship and you're having these thoughts of something isn't right. Like something feels off, right? Is that your intuition that the relationship isn't for you? Or is that just an anxiety of, because relationships are anxiety inducing sometimes, right? Like a fear of commitment or whatever it may be. How do you know which is which? Mm, yeah. I wish there was like a super just like black or white answer that we had like some measuring stick, like, oh, it's your intuition. Oh, it's your anxiety. I do think that it depends on the type of person, of course, that you're talking to. Because for example, for me, 
I've had my parents get a divorce. I've had divorce like in my extended family. I'm the type of person who is typically more type A. I want to do the right thing. I lean towards perfectionism sometimes. I get swept up in comparison a lot. And so once I started to understand my relationship patterns, I realized that I'm the type of person where the fear that may come up for me was more likely leaning towards anxiety about relationships and love. Interesting. And so I had to really understand like how I operate. There could be someone who feels really in tune with themselves. They really trust themselves and they don't have that much fear around love and relationships. And they might be able to be like, oh yeah, this just feels off. And I trust that. And I'm going to keep going with it. But for someone who's really indecisive, they don't necessarily feel like they know how to make good decisions. It may be a sign that more anxiety is coming up. And so what I talk about in that intuition webinar and other things that I've shared on my Instagram is that If something feels rushed, if it feels urgent, if it feels like you need to know right now, if it feels chaotic, that is more than likely anxiety unless you're in physical danger in that moment. Mm-hmm. Whereas intuition is usually a little bit more quiet. It's usually a little bit more steady. And for me, my intuition, I believe, is the thing that's pulled me forward in my relationship. It was that voice that was like, what if this does work out and you're actually just scared? You know, yeah. like, what if this is going to be beautiful and loving and you can keep building instead of feeling like it's not going to work out like you keep telling yourself. Whereas for Mm -hmm. some people, their intuition may be the voice that's like, we've kept trying to work on this challenge and I don't see that it's actually changing or no one's like, the willingness isn't there. So maybe that's a sign that I actually should be paying more attention to that. And it's just contextual. There's so many different reasons why someone's intuition could go either direction. Yeah, that's so interesting. So what you when you were talking about the anxiety, you were like, if it's a more rushed feeling, that typically is a signal of anxiety. Like what about the little voice that happens in your mind, you know, that plays through all of those different scenarios? That's typically is an anxiety too. I want to say yes, but it obviously, again, depends on that type of person. But if it feels like your mind is just like racing, Mm -hmm. um, maybe you're maybe it doesn't feel chaotic, like in your body, but like your mind is just kind of looking for that set answer right away. It could be driven by anxiety. And so what I usually tell people is unless you are in an actual dangerous situation where you need to make a decision quickly, Mm -hmm. try to put off an urgent decision. And if it keeps coming up, that still doesn't necessarily mean that it's intuition, but you can get more clarity as to like, when does this keep coming up? Is it happening every month, the week before my period that I start having (laughs) my intuition come out? You know, and I don't say that in a judgmental way, but our cycles have a big effect on things. And there's a lot of my clients that are like for two days out of the month, like my partner is like the worst person on the planet. And then for the rest of the month, I'm obsessed with them. You know, it's like, and then you have to kind of, like you have to just kind of acknowledge there's differences to not only our cycles, but how we feel under certain circumstances. Maybe you've just had a really stressful week at work and then suddenly your relationship feels like it might not be right. It's like start noticing those patterns for yourself. And if you're trying to rush to make that decision, you're not going to get to pick up on those things. Well, and I think that's a good point too, that you talk about in your podcast is unless you're in danger, none of these decisions need to be made today. Like we can allow ourselves the time and space to figure it out. We don't need to know 
right now in this moment. So we can take that pressure off of ourselves to have to know and to just let things kind of unfold and see how it feels. Exactly. And and one thing we've kind of coined in my group uh, program, this cohort, is someone had the wise uh phrasing of some days I have blue days in my relationship, like blue skies. And some days it feels more gray and cloudy. And I feel like that's not just a relationship thing. That's like a life thing. Obviously we all have days that are kind of gray and not the best. And maybe we're feeling like a fraud or we feel shame or guilt or like, what am I even doing with my life? And then there's blue days where you're like, I've got this, it's all going to work out. And for me, I don't know about anyone listening or for you, but like, for me, I don't want to make my big life decisions from that gray energy. I want to make it from the blue clear skies. And so whenever I was in a blue clear sky moment, I always wanted to move forward in my relationship. Whereas when I was in the gray cloudy days, I was like, I don't know if I want to fully trust myself in this place because everything sucks right now. It's not just my relationship relationship. So that's just something for people to think about. That's so interesting. And not even about relationship ending or not ending, but even like when things are blue, you know, good days, would this really bother me what my partner is doing? Or does it just feel worse today because I am feeling a little bummed about work, life, other things, right? So it's easier than to just look at your partner who's right in front of you and find fault in that, right? But It's interesting then to just think, if this was a good day, would that really annoy me? Maybe not, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Totally, totally. So just keeping that in mind and not diminishing those gray days as being trivial or irrelevant, but just giving yourself some guardrails of how you're going to make important life decisions or if you're going to judge something from that place versus when you're feeling a little bit more blue. Amazing. Thank you for like this amazing insight and advice. I love your podcast so much. I just leave it on when I'm unloading the dishwasher, when I'm walking around. It's just so helpful. And it's just such a reminder that there's so many things in relationships that can cause anxiety every day, right? It's not just like these very big, broad strokes of, yes, he's right for me, or no, he's not, or is he or she cheating on me or whatever. It's like, it's so nuanced. There's so many things that cause us anxiety. That's, I love your podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. And I can't wait for everyone to see it. Thanks so much, Kate. It was great chatting with you. It was so nice chatting with you and so nice meeting you. Awesome. All right. See you later. Thank you so Bye, much. Everyone. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. And the more ratings and reviews that are there, the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.